Jesus, I thank you for this time. I thank you for every man, every woman within the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. And God, they didn't come to waste their time. God, you have a plan for each and every single one of them. You have a plan, not just individually, but family. You have a plan for their generation. You have a plan for this house. And so God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit. I pray, Lord God, that the dreams of heaven would be in this house. The purposes of heaven would be in this house. I pray you'd equip people. I pray you'd bless people. I pray you'd lift people's spirits today. I pray you would speak in only the way that you can. Holy Spirit, I invite you to invade these moments and help them be supernatural. God, I'm going to do the natural thing, but I ask you to do the supernatural thing. And I speak the blessing of God over every person as they hear the Word of God. May the grace of Jesus and the peace of Jesus be in this room so people could receive the Word of God in this spirit and let them be changed forevermore. And a faithful church said, come on, a faithful church said, come on, one more time, give the Lord a hand. Thank you, worship team. You can grab your seats, turn to your neighbor, tell them you look good today. Turn to the same person, just tell them, I know, I know. We've been doing a series in our church called Deadly Seven, and we've been talking about attributes and things that really stop us from doing and being the people that God has called us to be. Um, How many of you enjoyed at least some of the beach this summer? Right, there are some obvious killers at the beach. There's drowning, there's getting eaten by a shark. I don't, I don't know if I've seen too many Jaws movies, but I do like to actually go out and swim out to those boys, those little, not boys, but boys. I don't know how to say that differently, but I'll just call them the yellow bobby things in the water that go up and down. And um, one time I was actually training for like a, a mini triathlon, a sprint triathlon, um, and it wasn't a big deal. It's not like, oh, man, that's awesome. No, it was like 400-meter swim. And so I'd go out and swim to the, to the boy and back and forth, forth and so forth. And I went to that yelly, yellow little bobby, uh, bobby thing, and, uh, and I accidentally kicked it. And I kicked the chain that was attached to it. And then I'm swimming in the water, and I come out of the water. It's seawater. It's the ocean. And I look down, and I see that my leg is bleeding. How many of you like to swim in the ocean when your leg is bleeding? Anyone put up your hand quickly. Thank you. There's no freaks in our church right now. Okay, that was a obvious killer. I was going to be shark bait, if you know what I mean. I was, I was going to be eaten by Bruce. Hello. Don't you look good? Look at this Australian guy swimming in the water. He'll be like calamari to me. And there's obvious killers, but I would say that there's more subtle killers. And I think spiritually that there is a lot more subtle killers than there is obvious. You don't, um, apathy gets on you in a subtle way. Negativity gets on you in a subtle way. Uh, I come from Australia and, and uh, there's a lot of skin cancer in Australia. I think mainly because there's so many English and Irish and Scottish people, we're pretty white. And so we sunbake in a, in a sun-scorched land and and it, and it takes time, and it takes years and years later, and then you find out you've got skin cancer. And I think many times in the Christian life, it many times takes years, and all of a sudden you realize that you are stuck. 
You didn't plan to get stuck. You didn't, you didn't hope to get stuck, but you got stuck. And I want to talk to you today about deadly comfort. Someone say comfort. Comfort's my friend. Comfort's my foe. How many of you like to be comfortable? How many like a lazy boy chair? Just watching a little TV with a lazy boy. I have a couch at home and actually has two attached lazy boys on it. So lazy boys are great for sipping back and eating massive amounts of popcorn, watching TV, even sleeping on it. Um, how many of you like to get a massage? I was talking to Tito's wife, Teresa, yesterday, and she just come from a massage, and she's just like, Anthony, it was amazing. This is just like a hidden treasure somewhere. And, and a massage is great, but you can't stay there, can you? You can't stay there as they're massaging you and making you feel good. And, and, and in the West, in American culture, we're pretty addicted to comfort, aren't we? And my, as I'm driving my car, um, my wife and I have, uh, we have, I guess, different body temperatures. And so when I'm driving the car, generally it's 68 degrees on my side, it's 72 on her side. And then the back, the kids have their own temperature going on. I mean, we are addicted to being comfortable. I came home last night from Virginia Beach and my air conditioner had blown. Just not sure what's going on with that. There was three inches of water in the basement um, and it was 85 degrees in our house. I was not comfortable. Comfort is both your friend and it foe. Comfort at the right time restores you, doesn't it? Vacation at the right time restores you. Sleep at the right time restores you. But I don't think Jesus was thinking a lot about comfort when he told Matthew, Matthew, leave your business that you are successful at and come and follow me, Matthew 9, 9. I don't think Jesus was thinking a lot about comfort when in the scripture in Matthew 4.19, he says, I will make you a fisher of men. They were fishing for fish. But he says, I am going to make you a fisher of men. I don't think Jesus was thinking a lot about comfort, even though he's called the comforter. The Holy Spirit is literally, one of his names is the comforter. To come alongside us. Scripture actually encourages us to comfort other people with the comfort we have received from God. And so it is good to give people comfort. But how many know that if you just sit long enough in comfort, you will not fulfill your potential? You can sit so long in the comfortable place. And I think we often even miss the fact that many times we think we, we, we miss blessing and comfort and think that God's blessing is comfort. In Genesis chapter 12, the Bible shows up to Abraham and uh, uh, Scripture shows up or God shows up to Abraham and watch what he says in Genesis chapter 12. He says, leave. Someone say leave. Was he saying comfort? No, he says, leave your country, your people and your father's household and watch this now and go to a land that I am going to show you where are you going to go? Which landlord? Not sure. Isn't it interesting that God is big on trust and small on details? Don't you wish God was a little bit more specific? You're like, I have a plan for you, son. Okay, Lord, what's the plan? He's like, I'll tell you as we go. God called me to be a preacher when I was 19. I heard the voice of God as clear as a bell in my spirit. He just said, preacher, preacher, preacher. It was not a call to comfort. And in fact, over the years, it has actually caused me a lot of uncomfortability. 
what's interesting, it causes you to depend on the comforter. And so as Christians, if you're a Christian in this house, you've actually got to be comfortably uncomfortable. Comforted by Christ, but uncomfortable for Christ. If you're a person of not faith, you're not sure about faith and so forth, we, do, we work pretty hard in our church to make you comfortable and welcome. But sometimes that you'll hear an uncomfortable message. But that uncomfortable message is the best thing for you. Are you with me? I was at a conference this week and Luke Barnett said this great line that stuck with me. He said, to step into your destiny, you have to step out of your security. To step into God's plan for your life. See, you don't need faith if you can work it all out. You don't need faith. Why are, why are so many times people stuck in their faith and not moving forward in their faith? Because they want to stay with security. We, we work on that, don't we? I just want to be comfortable. Say that monetarily, say that financially. It's obviously no bad thing. Wisdom actually saves money. Wisdom has stores in reserve and so forth. But we say this a lot as a culture. I just want to be comfortable. Yes, comfort. I want to earn enough. No, no, no. And, and people often say it like kind of a, I don't want to be super rich. I just want to be comfortable. I think God wants you blessed. But I found over time that he's challenging me more and more to get uncomfortable. I was sitting next to my wife in, in conference and the, the offering time came around each night and so forth. And, you know, you pay for the conference, but the reality is it doesn't cover all the costs of the conference. And so they asked you to give an offering. And, and uh, me and Miriam look at each other and like, hey, what should, we should, what should we give? And I don't know, this week was kind of low in the bank, to be honest. And uh, I was like, oh, just give this much. And she was like, no, 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 honey, we can't do that. I mean, give something. And I'm like, why do you make me uncomfortable? <laughs> See, she has a tendency, to be really honest, she's just, her mother has for years and years and years just modeled generosity. And sometimes I want to just save it. There's normally one like that in a marriage situation, a relational situation. One's the dollar and, and cents person. The other one's just generous. And sometimes the generous person has to be wiser, but the other one has to let go sometimes or you'll be a tightwad. <laughs> Leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. And then he says this, and I will make you a great nation. And I will make your name great. And then he says, and you shall be a blessing. Isn't it amazing that God has to shift you out of the comfort zone in order to be a blessing to someone else? Abraham's name, how many know it is great? We are talking about it three, four thousand years onwards from where it was. God said, I am going to make your name great. When I was 19, God spoke to me and said, you're going to America. He didn't say, Anthony, I've got these travel arrangements and would you like to go to Italy, Spain or Greece? I literally in my heart, I heard as clear as a bell, you're going to America. He didn't ask me if I'd like to. Actually, I did want to. See, God actually gives you the desires of your heart. Most people think that God is going to send you to Africa when you have no desire to go to Africa or India. He's like, I don't like curry. How can I go to India? 
And, but I'll tell you this, when God sends you to that place, God will give you desire for that place. Are you with me? We jump into a passage of Scripture where the children of Israel get lured into the comfortable. In Numbers chapter 32, let me kind of backtrack just so you know where we are. Moses has led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Someone say they're not in Egypt. He's led them through the desert. Someone say they're not in the desert. He's almost led them to the promised land. Say they're not in the promised land. So they're not in bondage and they're not in a dry place, but they're not in the promised land. They're at the edge of the promised land. They're in the in-between land. And in Numbers chapter 32, two tribes, actually three tribes, go up to Moses and say, Moses, we want the in-between land. In the Bible says the Reubenites, the Gadites had very large herds and flocks and saw that the lands of Jazer and Gilead were suitable for livestock. So they came to Moses and Eleazar the priest and to the leaders of the community and they said, blah, 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 blah. This is some complicated names. Verse 4. The land the Lord subdued before the people of Israel are suitable for livestock. Someone say livestock. Someone say business. It's suitable for business and your servants have livestock. It's suitable for business and your servants have business. We're doing well. And watch this now. It says, if we have found favor in your eyes, they said, let this be the land given to your servants as our possession. Watch this now. He says, do not make us cross the Jordan. Moses said to the Gadites and the Reubenites, should your fellow Israelites go to war while you sit here? Why do you discourage the Israelites from crossing over into the land the Lord has given them? And the text goes on and Moses really begins to rebuke them quite harshly. And then later they they get together and they reason together. Someone say reason. We live in a culture of reason and they begin to reason together and they said to Moses, listen, the first time, and this is me paraphrasing and this is me kind of injecting into the story, but the first time what they talked about was their herds and their flock and their goats and so forth and like, listen, this is really good for business. The next time we talk to Moses, let's go to Moses and let's say to him, by the way, we're going to set up our, our wives and our kids in homes on this side, but don't worry, we're still going to go with you and we're going to fight for you. So at first they begin to talk business, that was on their mind that was the thing that lured them that was the thing that got them comfortable but then later they begin to reason and say hey hey hey, just kidding what we're really about is protecting our kids and our wives and what's interesting in the story is Moses lets them do it he actually lets them stay on this side the wrong side someone say the wrong side it is the wrong side of the Jordan River Here was the problem. God did not promise this side. He promised the other side. They've come out of Egypt through the desert. They're on the edge and the ledge of going into the promised land. But what happened on the other side of the promised land was a place called the land of comfort. And so these tribes are sitting there and saying, Moses, man, we got lots of flocks and so forth. This land looks good. Can I stay here? They weren't asking for anything bad. I think most of the time you and I get stuck not on asking for something bad, but we just get stuck asking for something good when God wants something great for us. God wants something great for us, but He doesn't want you and I to settle 
for good. And the Gadites and the otherites, they said, Moses, let us stay here. And it is an interesting story. The, the Bible actually says that these men that were part of this tribe were powerful men. They were literally men of renown. They would kill people. They were powerful. But then if you go on over to First Chronicles, and Chronicles is simply a book of chronicling the story of Israel, they, they begin to tell their story. And what's interesting and sad about this story is that these three tribes are the first tribes to get taken and captive by the enemy. They are the first tribes. Listen to what First Chronicles verse 5 verse 24 says. It says, they were mighty men of valor. It means they're bad to the bone. They are famous men and heads of their father's houses. Some say they're strong. Some say they're mighty. But watch this now in verse 25. It says, and they were unfaithful to the God of their fathers, and they played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the land. They played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the land, the land they weren't meant to be in, the land lured them into comfort. What lured them into comfort was their own desire, but what got them later was the land. And the land was full of people who worshipped other gods. And when they began to worship other gods, they got lured into it. And all of a sudden, the blessing of God shifted off their life and now others came in and watch this now and the Bible actually says that verse 26 so the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Paul king of Assyria that is Tiglath Pileser how many know that's a hard name to say king of Assyria he carried watch this now he carried the Reubenites the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh into captivity when you compromise because of comfort, you get taken captive. When you compromise, when I compromise, when I sell God short, when God is saying something very specifically to you, and you say, God, let's reason about this, let's think about this. When we reason with God, and we begin to excuse everything that He's saying, no, 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 I've got better for you, but we reason together. How many know that your reasoning is good? Your reasoning, God does not want you to take out your brain and not think, right? He's given you a brain to think. But the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. It says, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. When you compromise because of comfort, you get taken captive. But it's not just you that gets taken captive, it is your children. When you compromise, and I compromise, and I say, God said, be over here, but you know what? This is really comfortable, God, and it even looks good. And these men were powerful men. And then in that moment, it seemed like they were blessed. If you read the scriptures here, it seems like they are honestly so blessed. He's like, is anything going to happen? And then all of a sudden, it does happen. They are the first to be taken captive. How many of you would like to be a slave? No? Their compromise led to slavery. Hear this now. Their compromise led to slavery. Their comfort from where 
they wanted to be led them over time to other gods who led them captive. It is the exact same picture of the church. When you and I give comfort our, our, our all and say, I know God's calling me this way, but I'm comfortable here. It'll seem like you're blessed for a while, but after a while, eventually your heart shifts and all of a sudden you get taken captive. How many want to be free? How many know it's hard to see though when you're comfortable? Sometimes seeing in the mirror is quite difficult, isn't it? Let me give you a couple of indicators on when it, you are comfortable and it's deadly comfort. Number one, it is your speech gives you away. Listen to what Scripture says. They say to Moses, don't make us cross over. Do you have to go to church? Amen. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, he has ordained praise. They say to Moses, Moses has given them the directive, the other side of the Jordan, that's the place that God has for us. They get to the first side and they say, whoa, 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 uh, Moses, don't make us go. Have you lost sight? Have you lost your mind? Have you lost sight that that's the place God brought you out of Egypt into the place of blessing? It's just over the river. It's over there. And they're like, don't make us. We have lost vision when we have to come to church. When you get to come. You don't have to give. You get to give. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. You get to talk to the King of glory. You get to talk to your Father. Sometimes my... my, my uh, the daughter will say something like this. Now she's only six and we'll say just before dinner, we'll say, Shelly, why don't you pray? And she's like, oh, do I have to? That's okay because she's six. She doesn't get it yet. She gets to talk to dad. Some people are talking to dad, but they're not connected to dad. They haven't accepted the Lord. They haven't said yes to Jesus. And so their prayers are hitting a wall. Do you know that the bio, uh, uh, statistics tell us that over 90% of Americans pray? But only like 20% go to church. Are you with me? How can you tell you're in comfort zone? Don't make us cross over. You know you've lost vision for your job when you say, do I have to go to work? Do I have to go back to my marriage? Maybe going pretty what, bad. How many believe that Jesus has actually called you to Build the church. See, if you are a follower of Jesus, you don't have to build the church. You get to build the church. It is the one thing he is building. He's not building a Democrat party, a Republican party. He is building the church. He is building a church. He's building the church. Matthew 16, he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. I am building my church. So if you and I go, do I have to go? We have lost vision of what actually God has called us to do. Could you imagine if you're in the NFL and it's practice and you're the key wide receiver and you say to the coach, do I have to go to 
practice. You have lost vision. You have lost your mind. You're in comfort. You're in la-la land. You're in pride. You're in, you're, in, you're in, I'm too good. I don't have to. No, no, no. We're part of the team. Are you part of the team? Are you part of the team? Now listen, you may not be yet part of the team, and I'm just, I'm preaching more to the Christian than I am to someone who's checking out church, but to the Christian, to the one who says, Jesus is my Lord, don't get stuck in comfort. I'll tell you who can tell you whether you're stuck in comfort. The person next to you. The person who knows you well. Because I could say to someone, I could say to someone, hey, man, are you stuck in comfort? You're like, no, man, I'm good, I'm good, good, good. And the person next to you go, <laughs> isn't it amazing how self-deceived we are sometimes? When someone used to sit third row of church and now sits last row of church, when someone used to be in church every week and now they're in church once a month, I can tell you this right now, they are stuck in comfort. When someone used to tithe and now no longer does, I can tell you they're stuck in comfort. But do you know that sometimes when you step out of the boat, that eventually becomes your comfort zone? See, God always is advancing you. God always is pushing you forward. God is always stretching you. God is always saying, son, walk by faith. Come on, are you with me, church? I may be preaching, and this is my prayer today. This was my prayer yesterday and today. And I could mention all these areas you might be stuck in comfort, but my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will speak to you today in the unique way you need it. The Bible says that He is to guide us, He is to lead us, and He is to show us what is yet to come. So when you come under the preaching of the Word of God, if you'll open your heart and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me? Because how many know that there is sometimes a unique thing God has to say to you? See, you, don't, you may not be stuck in comfort in one area, but another one, he's just like, son, you're stuck here. I had a dream the other day, and the Lord showed me that I was still hanging on to something of the past, and, I was, and it was affecting how I was relating to people. And so, I, see, a dream is God speaking to you something, and it's, a, it's an invitation to again encounter God. And I lift up the dream to God, and I pray about the dream, and I say, God, I feel like you're saying this to me. How do you want me to handle this? What is God saying? He says, you're stuck in an area, son. I had a woman in our church have a dream recently. She was not that involved a couple of years ago and now has become very involved in our church. She's a great woman in our church. She literally had a dream the other day that she was running in the clouds. And she said that actually in the dream, I was ahead of her, but I was well ahead of her. And I came back to her and I said, start running faster. What was the dream? The dream was God saying, you are comfortable, start going again. See, God must speak to us in our unique way. Everything changes when God speaks to you. God speaks and it changes in your world. Are you with me, church? How many want God to speak to your life? How many want God to show you perhaps in an area you are comfortable? How many don't want to settle for the other side of the Jordan, but actually want to get into the blessed place? Actually want to get into the promised land? You actually want to be all that God has called you to be? Come on, I'm stirring you today. Don't stay in the comfort zone. Get over here, for that is the blessed place. 
You can get comfortable in prayer. You can get comfortable in your own Bible reading. You can get comfortable. How many know we can just get comfortable as a church? Just like, you know, a church, we're doing pretty good. But I felt like the Lord years ago speak to my heart and said, Anthony, no matter how big the church gets, remember those who are not there yet. Remember those who are not there yet. Jesus had 99 sheep. Wouldn't you be comfortable? But he leaves 99, he goes after one. Ten coins, one is lost. Leave it for the one. There's people in your world who need your story. There's people in your world who need your prayers. There's people in your world who need your inviting. But it's so easy, isn't it, to get stuck. He says, I send you out like sheep among wolves. That means it's dangerous. That means you can get it eaten up. That means this, this, along the journey of faith, there are so many different traps. But if you listen and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, don't make us cross over. Do I have to serve? Oh, I'm tired today. Do I have to? And we all feel like that sometimes. But sometimes you just got to remind yourself what you are doing it for. You know, like, I serve for the pastor. Don't serve for me. Serve for the Jesus. Actions. Moses said to them, listen to this. You know you're in deadly comfort by your speech. You know you're in deadly comfort by your actions. Watch this now. Moses said to them, should your fellow Israelites go to war? Watch this now. Why, you sit here? Years ago at the Oaks Lodge, we were doing church. And, and when you're doing church when it's like 30 people and you had to set up and tear down, you have to set up and tear down every single week and we're blessed that we don't have to set up and tear down. Our, you know, some of our church does, but like at the outside, but this is set, but we used to have to uh, carry speakers three floors up and three floors down and so forth. And you know, there'd sometimes be so many people just sitting and watching everyone else work. Like, and, and can I say that sometimes my wife would get on grown men? Like, and normally not like 40-year-old men. She, she had the right to talk to these men. They were like 20 years old. And she's like, why are you watching women carry speakers upstairs and you're just sitting there hanging out? And they're like, oh. <laughs> why are you, literally, why are you sitting there? This is what Moses said to them. Do you know that if you're a called of Jesus, you are called to be in his army? Hear me now, church. How many of you wish there wasn't a fight? But there is. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God. I was praying while I was at Virginia Beach. I was walking down. Um, it was early in the morning, this beautiful sunrise is there and so forth. And I was praying and I felt like the Lord showed me a glimpse of literally as I was praying, the breastplate of righteousness literally come on me. It was just, it was like a light from heaven. I just, whew, as I was praying, put on the armor of God. Put it on. There's a fight. How many know that there's someone who needs your fight? Let me say this, there's someone who needs your fight. There's someone who needs your fight. There's someone who needs your fight. There's someone who needs. It'll be a son. It'll be a daughter. 
It'll be a friend who needs you to be in the game, who doesn't need you to sit, who needs you to be strong in the Lord. They need you. The people around you need you. This church, it, it needs you. I, I, I think how often sometimes I wish someone was more in the game when my father went to church many, many years ago, but there wasn't enough men who would just, just be in the game. Like just, hey, how are you? What are you doing? What's up? Be in the game. Right? You can't just show up to church and, and leave. I'm just talking about being in the game. Can I share just really and rawly today? Can I share just authentically today? Don't get, a lot of us are stuck, we're stuck. And Jesus said, don't get stuck in comfort. And he'll say this to me all the time. Do you know that we, why we fast twice a year in our church is so that we don't get stuck in comfort? We fast before amp up. We're going to fast for three days before amp up. We're going to do a more intense fast. Forget the longer stuff. We're doing intense though. I did a three-day fast recently. I didn't want to. The Lord said do a fast. I was like, oh, really? How many know fasting's not fun? It's out of your comfort zone. You never want to do it. And then after you do it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, I love food. <laughs> How many love food with me? And, and, and do you know that sometimes I've heard people say, oh, I could never fast one day. They're like, I eat too much. And I normally looked at them and I'm like, have you ever met me? Like, I can eat. Go to Rhodesia Estate together. You and I, we can bring the house down. People hoping I leave. <laughs> Especially I've worked out that day. I literally had a waiter look at my friend one day and in, in, Brazil, in, in Portuguese. He was like, this guy's still going. <laughs> I may have smelt like meat for the next three days, but it was worth it. <laughs> Can I get an amen? The reason we do these things is so that it's so easy to get stuck. If you're stuck in your spiritual life, get up earlier. I meet with a couple of men. I just want to throw this out to every man in here. I meet with a couple of men 6.30 in the morning every Tuesday at our office. You can email the church if you want to come. Um, and we pray and we go after it. And we just believe God for big things. How many want a breakthrough in your life? A breakthrough doesn't come by sleeping, I found. Are you with me? Breakthroughs come as I get out of my comfort zone, as I press in, as I break through. Men are always to pray and not to faint. Are you with me, church? I think I've said enough. Can I have the worship team come? I've got lots more notes. But let me leave you this thought. Luke Barnett says this, to step into your destiny, you have to step out of your security. To step into your destiny, you have to step out of your security. Faith that, that, that always is in our comfort zone isn't actually faith. Are you with me? I said before, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you the way you need it. The scripture says in John 16, 13, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, it says he will guide you into all truth. Someone say guide. 
He will guide you into all truth. It says this, it says he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will show you what is yet to come. That means the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. He wants to guide you and he wants to show you something. I don't want you to be the type of Christian that the only thing you hear from God is when you come to church. I, I need you to learn to hear from God for yourself. My life changed when God spoke to me. He said, you're going to America. My life changed when He said, preacher. My life has changed every time He speaks the Word. And even just recently, God's put something on my heart. I'm just like, oh Lord, I'm not sure we can do that. He's like, I'll provide for you. It's okay. Because He's getting me to walk by faith. Do you receive that? I want us to bow our head and close our eyes. hear that scripture again, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will show you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit will speak a word into your spirit. Perhaps he'll give you a dream this week. If you'll authentically just say, God, I want to hear your voice. I'm asking that the Holy Spirit will speak to many of you right now. Would you say, Holy Spirit, where am I in my comfort zone? I just want you to pray that simple prayer right now. Lord, speak to me. Where am I in my comfort zone? Where am I too comfortable? Speak to my mind. Speak to my heart. Speak to my soul. Some of you, God would have spoken to you something right now. Others of you, you may need to go this week and just pray more and just say, God, I want you to speak to me. And just grab this scripture, John 16, 13, and say, Lord, would you guide me? Would you speak to me? Get in the Word of God so you can learn to hear the voice of God. Let me, let me have your attention just for a final moment. I want to ask someone if they've never met Jesus in this place to receive Jesus. I was impacted many years ago by the movie Blood Diamond. And, and in Blood Diamond, the man... His son is literally kidnapped by these evil, evil men. And I can't remember the man's name at the, at the time, at right now, but he is off on a journey and he's trying to find his son. And then all of a sudden there is this climactic moment where he is looking for his son and he has found him, but his son has literally been turned away from him. And so he points a gun right at his own dad. He's about to shoot his own dad. And there is the father and he looks at his son. He says, um, he says son, what are you doing? You are a good boy. You are from my tribe. The, the goats wait for you. The cows wait for you. The dogs wait for you. And he begins to remind him where he is from. He begins to remind him. And with tears streaming down his face, the young boy puts down the gun that he was literally holding at his own father. And he goes home with his son. That is the picture of the gospel. The father has been looking for you. The, the evil one actually does grab us, take us, and take us. And many times make us do bad things. And he says in a moment, he says, you are not what you have done. You are not what you have done. And Jesus forgives us and cleanses us so that we are not what we have done, but we are who He says we are. 
And the moment of salvation is when you say, God, I, I, I have done a lot of bad things, but right now I am trusting you that your power and your grace forgives me and cleanses me and doesn't just forgive me, but gives me a brand new identity where I leave the things of the past and I go home with my father. And now I learn to walk with my father again. And that is the picture of what it really means to be a Christian. So now as I've explained that, heads bowed, eyes closed across this building. If that's you today, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you don't know you're a son, you don't know you're a daughter, or you've been honestly running away in your own heart for the last number of months, the last number of years, and you want to come back today, we're going to pray a simple prayer, and that prayer is going to connect you to a person. Come on with me, church. Why don't we pray this prayer? Jesus, right now, I come home by your grace. Forgive me. Help me walk with you for the rest of my days. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, you meant business with God all across this place. Quickly slip up your hand. Say, Anthony, that's me today. All across this place. All across this place. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Anyone else today? Quickly slip up your hand. Say, Anthony, that's me today. That's me. Thank you, man. Those two in the middle there, it's awesome. Anyone else? Just quickly. I just want to see your hand. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, sweetheart. That's awesome. Anyone else? Just saying yes to Christ in this place. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hand down when you've done that. Father, I pray for every person, Lord, within the sound of my voice. And God, I pray for every person who raised their hand responding to you. Father, may they learn to walk by faith, Lord, with you for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand for that?